We accept Lewis's decision to seek a fresh challenge, and our opportunities for the future are exciting to contemplate. But for now, we still have one season to go, and we are focused on going racing to deliver a strong 2024. Lewis will always be an important part of Mercedes Motorsports history. However, we knew our partnership would come to a natural end at some point, and that day has now come. Jeez, is that Mercedes? I hope so. (laughs) Now entering the grid. Here are your hosts, Thomas and Jeremiah. Welcome to Turn One. We are your hosts, Thomas and Jeremiah. And that quote that you heard in the open was from the team principal, none other than Toto Wolf of Mercedes AMG Patronus Racing in Formula One. Big news came out this morning um, about 4 a.m. United States time uh, that Sir Lewis Hamilton at the conclusion of the 2024 season going into 2025 will be departing Mercedes, the team where he's won how many world championships? Six. Six world championships for the big gun still in the sport, Scuderia Ferrari. What a way to wake up. Yeah. I saw that uh, a buddy of ours texted us uh, a little after 7 a.m. <laughs> and it was one of those it was one of those Instagram posts where it's like it's a meme, right? It's not real. It's no. it's uh, you know Max Verstappen wearing a Hosh uniform or something like that. And you're like, okay, whatever. And then you go Google Lewis Hamilton. It says it's trending, and you're like, uh oh. And then it's just every single article. Lewis is going to Ferrari. It's not the biggest, it's not the first um, driver's contract news to break for this break so far. We have Lando Norris staying at McLaren, Charles Leclerc staying at Ferrari. It's definitely the biggest considering it's the only move. And probably if there's going to be any other moves the rest of this year, the biggest move that's happening. Yeah, so the way, again, this episode we got today because of the big news. And, and when, a, when a world champion, let alone a seven-time world champion moves teams, <laughs> you've got to talk about it. And so our plan for this episode, this isn't the first time Ferrari has done this. No. So we're going to talk just a little bit about Ferrari, how Ferrari has a, a habit, if you will, of taking top talent, poaching, if you will. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about maybe how they get away with that. And then we're just going to speculate wildly about the future of the Formula One driver uh, yeah. landscape. Let's go back, though, to Ferrari. So again, just to recap, Lewis Hamilton is leaving Mercedes to go to Ferrari. This isn't the first time Ferrari's done it. In recent memories, the names that come to mind, Sebastian Vettel. Yeah. A world champion four times at Red Bull. And then immediately makes the move. Immediately. Like, it wasn't even a hard decision. No. And that one, that's the one I think that stung most fans because it's like, how do you go from dominance? Granted, that Red Bull car wasn't able to compete with the new Mercedes once the rule change happened. But still, how do you win four championships with a team and then you're out the door and on your way to Ferrari? I mean, we were, you know, when we were, when we started doing the F1 podcast, that was, I think, one of our most, not debated, but like heavily discussed topics of how how Vettel could go to Ferrari. Because that was kind of the start of the drive to survive era when that was going down a little bit, a little bit after maybe. Yeah. Um, Kimi Raikkonen. <laughs> Kimi Raikkonen, but he he is, unlike some of the other people on this list, he's one of the ones that went to Ferrari and actually won a championship. And then let's go back a little bit earlier. Who who is before those two? Well, for starters, actually, I don't want to go back that far. Let's go. Let's talk about the main one, the guy, the only other person to equal Lewis Hamilton, Alberto Ascari. No, well, yeah, him too. We'll get to him. (laughs) 
No, we're going to talk about the only other legend of the sport, the seven-time world champion, Michael Schumacher. Yeah. Who wins, what was it, one or two championships at he Benetton? He won two at Benetton. The, then, the years right before. Yeah, of course. Of <laughs> course. Two at Benetton in that famous seven-up car and those green colors. And then immediately trades out that green for red and makes his way to Ferrari, where he goes and continues to win another five championships. Goodness. So Schumacher did that all in the 90s, pretty much, right? I wonder what it was like back late 80s, early 90s, when the news comes out that two-time world champion, the most dominant driver of the day, is now pulling the trigger for Ferrari. A time when Ferrari was struggling. Let's right. remember that. Almost every time Ferrari makes a big move, they're struggling. I mean, it makes sense. They go for the whoever's the top driver at the time and just kind of shank them. We can go before Michael Schumacher. Let's talk about McLaren world champion, Alain Prost. Yeah. Who then gets teamed up with Nicky Lauda. Or not Nicky Lauda, I'm sorry. Ayrton Senna at McLaren. They have a heated battle for that championship. Ends up going out, Ayrton Senna is the winner, and Alain Prost and they and Senna cannot be teammates anymore. There's too much friction. Prost makes the move. He moves to Ferrari. Another one similar to the, the Schumacher story, though, a little bit more recent, Fernando Alonso. Ah, two-time <laughs> champion, Renault, makes the move to the Italian motorsport company. So whenever we're looking at these past drivers – only a few have had actual success, though, at Ferrari when they made the move. That's the kicker. It's really just Schumacher and Raikkonen and Prost. Did he win at Ferrari? I should know this. I want to say yes, but I can't confirm that. Because I know Mansell won before. Yeah. Um, yeah, Prost won two with and then one later. With Ferrari? No, sorry. That was Nicky Lauda. Nicky Lauda won two with Ferrari and then one later with well, McLaren. That was different. That was leaving Ferrari. After yeah. So, so you know, a couple guys win with Ferrari, but, I mean, Alonso didn't work out with Ferrari. No. Vettel did not a bunch of nothing. He was a top five, top he, six he driver. He came close to winning a championship a few times, but wasn't able to get the job done ultimately. Didn't pull it off. Um, okay. Anything else we want to look at at Ferrari? Well, let's talk about this. So how do they do this? How is every year Ferrari, not every year, but every three to four, every five seasons, they're getting the biggest name driver in F1 when they're doing a bunch of nothing. They have a new team principal. They have the worst strategy in the paddock and on the grid. Um, their car is unreliable. How do they convince these guys to move over there? I've got some ideas, but I want to hear yours. Well, Sebastian Vettel was in an interview one time where he said that Ferrari is everybody's favorite team. He said... Even though it may seem like it's not, even if you were going to Mercedes uh, garage and ask them, Ferrari is their favorite team. And it, it's just, it goes back to the lineage, right? They're the oldest F1 team out there. They are the embodiment of what Formula One was at the start and today honestly still is. Because no matter what, even if they haven't won in forever, everybody cheers for Ferrari. I mean, they have their own, the Tifosi, they have their own fan base. Yeah. I mean, if you were, when you go to Monza, it's all Ferrari. It's, there's no other team matters. It's all Ferrari. I mean, they embody what Formula One is because they came out and they're like, you know, win the race on Sunday, make sales on Monday. That's their whole deal. I think it's the culture. 
and the history and these drivers grow up wanting to be Ferrari drivers because they grow up watching all the greats at Ferrari. And, and again, they pulled this off recently with Vettel at Red Bull and, and Alonzo and before that Schumacher. And we talked a couple of weeks ago about the driver market, you know, back when things were a lot more wide open mm-hmm. than they seem to be today. And we had speculated like, Hey, where's, you know, where's Max going to go? Is he going to get burnt out at, at Red Bull? And we thought maybe he'll go to Ferrari or, or maybe Lando will make a jump or Oscar. I don't really remember Lewis being. No, because Lewis, like Ferrari is to F1, Lewis is to Mercedes. I mean, he embodies everything that Mercedes is. Yeah. The aesthetic that Mercedes has, the smoothness of Mercedes, like the luxury. That's all like Lewis Hamilton. That's his personality. He is the personality of Mercedes. He built that F1 team, essentially. Going back to um, earlier this year, I think in March, this was a, another quote from um, from Toto. He said, I'm absolutely confident that he'll stay. Uh, we are talking when we want to and how, but we just need to change some terms and the dates, basically. Lewis is at the stage of his career where we trust each other. We have formed a great bond, and we have no reason to doubt um, We have no reason to doubt each other, even though it is a difficult spell. It will be so nice when we come out of the valley of tears and return to solid performances. There was <laughs> <laughs> this was in that same interview. Again, this was, I think, last March. He said... If Lewis wants to win another championship, he needs to make sure he has the car. And if we cannot demonstrate that we're able to give him a car in the next couple of years, then he will need to look everywhere. I don't think he's doing it at this stage, but I'll have no complaints if it happens in a year or two. But a little bit quicker than Toto might have projected. Well, let's talk about why this is. Why is this all? Why the look? Why, why looking at greener pastures? Since the Zero Side Pod era... Yeah, that was rough. Mercedes it, falls from grace. Well, and to be fair, they tried something radical. They were trying to be cutting edge. Which is Mercedes. Which is Mercedes. They were trying to beat Red Bull, and they had to do something crazy and be different, and it was just a horrible decision. No, dude, they fall so far back down the grid. <laughs> it was awful. It was the worst awful. car. And even though they made you know, different moves to make that car better— it never. I don't think they really ever adding got side pods. Well, yeah, but I mean, just in general, they changed a bunch of different things. They still had the porpoising effect that was horrible at Mercedes. Yeah, they couldn't fix that. They couldn't catch up to Red Bull, and they were barely complete uh, competing with Ferrari. I mean, essentially. And now, the last time I think that Lewis Hamilton really felt like he was comfortable in a car and that he was competing for it was that twenty twenty what twenty twenty one season. Yeah, with Max. With Max Verstappen. But even then, you could see Red Bull was. Right there. Yeah, with a young, fresh driver. I mean, Mercedes had to do something, and so they went with that radical move. Didn't work out, and they spent the next two years trying to recover from that. I would say they did quite a good job, considering they finished second in the championship last year. Yeah. And who knows? We're, we're still waiting to see what's going to happen for 2024 this coming season. But It's weird to say 2023 last year. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, keep, I keep trying to correct myself because I want to say 2023, but I'm correcting it to 2024 in my head. It's um I think I think the turning point honestly for Lewis in his now back half of his Mercedes career which is also wild to think about 2021 Abu Dhabi not Max winning when Sergio got ahead of him and held him off for like 30 laps that was a defining drawing a line in the sand moment between Red Bull taking the next step and Mercedes taking a back seat to Red Bull the fact that Sergio a confident driver but you know Sergio could get ahead of him and hold off a world champion. 
And then again, you go into the season with the zero pods and then you have the reliability issues and the porpoising issues. And then you have aggressive George and then you have consistent George. And there's just been so many curveballs at the end of Lewis's Mercedes run. Maybe he looks at Ferrari and this is where I wanted to go with my speculation. Who's the new team principal? At Ferrari? Yeah. Fred Vasseur. 2023 was his first season running the team. Right. Didn't make a lot of changes in, in season one, but maybe that's maybe that was his goal. Maybe he knew season two was the year. I'm going to re-sign some drivers. I'm going to strip down the staff. I'm going to get some strategists. We're going to have a car that's not only fast, because Ferrari's always built a fast car. Right. It's going to survive races. Right. And maybe Lewis knew that. And what I liken it to, Fernando Alonso, when he jumped from uh, Alpine over to Aston Martin. We said, what are you doing, man? Aston is at the back of the grid. Uh, so maybe there's some stuff in the fine print that we don't see as the fans, but they've talked about personally one-on-one. Because do you remember those interviews with Alonzo when he's like, they're doing really good stuff at Aston yeah. Martin? He's like, Lawrence has got a good team. They're doing some stuff. Maybe Lewis knows what Fred's got cooking up over at Ferrari. Fires the main strategist. That should have happened two seasons ago. <laughs> When they sent those drivers out on hard tires and Charles and Carlos was like, it's like we're skating on ice. <laughs> Fire everybody. But uh, I, So we get one more season of Lewis at Mercedes. One more season of Carlos. Man, okay. Let's hold on that one second. This isn't crazy because every, every F1 contract's a multi-year deal unless you're Logan Sargent. He signed a multi-year deal with Ferrari. The wording that has come out so far, which is just today, mind you, uh, and we're recording this one day before we release it, so this will be have been yesterday if you're watching. His original Mercedes contract was thought to have run through 2025. Right. But somehow he's leaving in 2024, and there's no buyout. There's no anything like that. Do you know how he pulled that off? I do, but you're on a roll here. Keep it okay. going. Similar to how you can do in the NFL or MLB, and I'm sure basketball has something similar, players can have a player option, mm-hmm. or in the terms of F1, a release clause, right. which says, hey, we will agree to you know, $50 million a year or $20 million a year for five years or two years or three years. And that last year can either be guaranteed and they can add on another year, or they can say that that last year is a player option, or in this case, a driver option. Right. So how Lewis's contract really was, was if Lewis wanted to stay, he could have the same contract for 2025 guaranteed. No questions asked. He'd be a Mercedes driver. They wouldn't have to resign him or anything. It would just take effect. Or at the end of 2024, he could exercise his release clause and be out penalty free. It's it's a it's a benefit to sign the drive. It's a benefit to the driver basically. Right. The reason I wanted you to finish that out is because I brought up Carlos Sainz and you said hold off on that. So I'm going to take it do. from here. So I'm going <laughs> to take it from here. That being said, the reason he's exercising this stipulation in his contract is because Carlos Sainz's contract is up at the end of 2024. Jeez. Now, that being said, Ferrari's just not going to have one driver on the grid for 2025 hey. and then Lewis's contract's up and they pull him then. Fred could have a bold strategy. Why blow up two cars when you can only blow up one? Save on costs. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> it's only 19 cars on the grid. <laughs> Ferrari just DNS is a car for every single race. Uh, no. So with Carlos Sainz's contract being up in 2024, Lewis Hamilton decides to exercise the stipulation in his contract. He's out the door at the end of the 24 season into the door of the Ferrari car 
for the 2025 season. Where do we go from here? That shows you that the it's not mind games, but the level. So watch Drive to Survive, right? And if you're somebody that hasn't watched Drive to Survive, you need to. Because the drivers will openly, or as openly as they want to, talk about contracts. Why? Because of this. Mm-hmm. They always ask, how long did he sign for? They don't usually care about the amount. The amount's not important to them. They no. want to know how long. Because again, Lewis's contract was worded vaguely, as some of the other drivers were too. When we talked about our driver markets video, some of the drivers, it was really hard to find an ending year on if you could find it at all. Yeah. A lot of the times they don't tell you that until it's ending, if it's a big contract. You just know it's a multi-year deal. It's usually assumed that's two years, but in the case of Lando, it's a four-year deal, Yeah. which is huge. Max is signed to 28. Yeah, so <laughs> it's it can be ridiculous, but the average contract is about two years. But when you're a guy like Lewis or Max or Lando, it, it can be anything, and they usually keep that kind of secret. Um, but when you look at how he's going from uh, when he he, he he was watching Carlos, he was watching, he's probably watching a multiple places on the grid to see who would pop up first. And he's thinking, okay, my time here at Mercedes, like Toto put it, is coming to a natural end. <laughs> If you want to call it that, Mercedes isn't dealing like they used to anymore. Maybe things have changed internally that we they don't got know about. An up-and-coming driver. <sighs> well, he he sorry was to say that after 2023, but as of 2022, we were thought to have yeah, said that he yeah. was up and coming. So maybe he was just thinking this year, like, whose seat can I take? And then I want to know who started the communication. That's what I want to was know. Was it Fred or was it Lewis? Yeah, Ooh. it was one of them. And if question. I if I had to put money on it. It's Lewis. Really? Look at what Fred's got. Nothing. You talked about this before we started recording. Jeremiah has the best points before we hit record. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> on camera. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, man, save it for people that want to hear this good stuff. <laughs> you basically said, and I'll let you repeat if you want to, but uh, oh, where was I going with that? What would you say? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Look at what Fred's got over there. He's making changes. Carlos and Charles were not the problem. Yes, that's right. Take it. So Carlos and Charles were not the problem there at Ferrari. The problem was is the strategy that they had going over there and the car itself, the durability. And even they corrected a lot of the durability in 2023, but still the pace. The pace is still not 100% there. So he's making wild moves. First of all, he's making an unnecessary move almost in this getting rid of Carlos signs, but they have a certain layout that they do there too. They don't necessarily run with one driver being the number one driver. And you know, it's, it's speculated that it's Charles Leclerc and Carlos signs is the number two driver, but here he is bringing in the number one driver at Mercedes. The number one driver at Ferrari is staying in Charles Leclerc. And so you've got two dominant pairings, or two dominant drivers making an insane pairing here at Ferrari coming in in 2025. But you could have won with Charles and Carlos. 100%. You could have won the whole thing. Carlos is a very viable driver. He won a race. He was arguably ahead of Charles in points until the very end of the season. Yes. That's a good duo. That yes. wasn't that wasn't the problem. Not to say that this is an interesting move and that we're I'm excited about the move. I just because it's a wild change. I don't know if it's a good move necessarily because Ferrari. I don't know what do you get out of this. I mean, you're already bringing in the most money, right? Because you have the lineage thing that they get that no other and, team. And gets. you're just Ferrari. And you're Ferrari. You have a <laughs> buttload of money to begin with. Uh, 
it's tough. You don't really get. I guess you get more fans. You get the Lewis fans to go along with your uh, Ferrari. It's a lot. It's a lot of fans. It is a lot of fans. But I think that the reason that they're doing this is because they want they want to be able to put out a car where even if they aren't able to necessarily build a car that can that can. 100% 100% outright beat Red Bull in the way that Red Bull did to everybody else. They have two drivers that they know can get more out of the car than any other drivers can. Carlos is always a driver who's going to take the car and get exactly what that car can get out of it. But you have drivers like Max who can get more out of the car than what the car can do. That's that's shown yeah. by Sergio Perez being, not being able to do the same. Drivers like... Who who else can get more out of the car? Like Alex Albon does at Williams. Fernando Alonso arguably got more out of Aston Martin. Out of Martin. that Aston Martin, right. Yeah. So he's getting a driver in Lewis Hamilton that is the type of driver that will get more out of that car than what the car should be able to do. So now you have two drivers essentially that can do that in Charles Leclerc and Lewis Hamilton. Meaning that if even if they don't build a car that per the specs necessarily doesn't beat out the Red Bull, you still have a chance to beat out the Red Bull. Yeah. I I would have kept Carlos. <laughs> if you present to me the option to pay Lewis a ton of money, because that's another expense. He's going to be more oh, expensive sure. than Carlos. Oh, sure. If you give me Lewis and Carlos and I can pick either one, I, I would have picked Carlos. Just to stay with what you have? Yeah. See, I made this point also before we started filming that – I feel like I said this too on air is he's, he's not really focusing on the right thing here. Yeah. Well, from our perspective, from our perspective, he's not from our perspective. You Maybe know, Carlos is a horrible locker room guy. He's just <laughs> it's a cancer to the team. Yeah. <laughs> no, we know Carlos is a sweetheart. He's not. So he's I, the best. I, I doubt that. But we really, it's a strategy, right? The strategy and the tire degradation was their two main points of last year. They had to pit before the other top teams did because they were burning through those tires. And then when they were on their final set of tires, they couldn't stretch those out to the end of the race. They would start to lose tires by the end, by the end last couple laps. And the strategy was always iffy, right? So I would say the strategy in 2023 was better than in 2022 and 2021. But the thing is, is their strategy is still not on par with what the other top teams are running. They still make iffy decisions. So I feel like what they needed have been working on was uh, the tire degradation and the strategy. Now, I don't know if you saw this, but there's been some articles that come out that they've changed up their suspension for the new Ferrari car, and it's supposed to dramatically help with the tire degradation. Okay. Fix this problem, number one. If your strategy is wrong, what do the drivers do? Improvise. Who's better at that than anybody else? Lewis Hamilton. Not a bad move. Although, let me counter... Carlos who Sainz. is the one Carlos disagreeing Sainz. with all the radio messages against who's the one agreeing with all the bad strategy agreed, agreed with that but at the end of the day the reason that they had to make the decision they made is because ultimately who's the better driver or who says yes more Ooh, charles says yes more so they're bringing in a strategic mind like lewis hamilton who has years of experience and he'll be able to bring out the best in what their strategy is able to do whenever they have their pre-race talks, right? What should our strategy one be? And the guys are like, at Ferrari, they're like, hey, I think we should do this. And Lewis is like, yeah, that's a no-go. <laughs> Here's what we're going to do. <laughs> or in the heat of the moment, he's the one that's going to come on and say, I can get more out of these tires. Let's stay out longer or something like that. 
Now, Carlos was good at that, but at the end of the day, Carlos wasn't as good of a driver as Charles Leclerc. So now you have Charles Leclerc and Lewis Hamilton, who are both dynamic drivers, but with also the strategic mind of Lewis Hamilton. They've worked on the suspension at the Ferrari car for this next coming year to fix the tire degradation. That's their two main problems they had in 2023. I think we're on for a show in 2025. The testing will be interesting, won't it? In yeah. 2025. And we're getting excited, but we have to remember <laughs> so, we have an entire year still with oh. Carlos Sainz at Ferrari and Lewis at Mercedes. Before we get to wild speculation about who fills the Mercedes seat uh, and where does Carlos go, who's the number one driver? I like the point that you brought up because we talked about this a little bit before we started filming. So I'm going to reiterate your point. Okay. Lewis Hamilton. <laughs> He's the number one driver. He's going to get all the strategic first calls like, oh, we need to pit now, and then we'll bring yeah. in the second driver on the next lap. The second driver will be Charles Leclerc. However, when you're looking at the cars, Lewis will take that second car for the same point that you made why he did it at Mercedes. He likes that yellow. If you're not familiar with the one-two pairings in Formula One, historically teams have always designated a one and a two driver. Right. Your one is your champion continue, your more experienced guy, whoever it might be. You know, on Red Bull, it's always going to be Max or whatever. And on your lower teams, it's the person with more experience or whatever. With Mercedes, Lewis was always the one driver, but he switched to driving the two car because the number one car has a black TV pod. That's the only visual difference in the cars mm -hmm. is the thing above their head. That's the TV camera is black in the number one car. And in the number two car on every single team, regardless of your team's colors, it's yellow. Right. And he likes yellow. <laughs> So much so that his number 44 on the car was also yellow. When George's yeah. was blue, his helmet was typically yellow. Yep. His racing gloves were yellow. <laughs> and and for Ferrari, they like they have yellow in their color scheme. Yeah, it'll look natural. So it's going to look beautiful. As I said very early in our podcasting history, he cares more about aesthetics than winning. I don't know if I agree with that. So he but moved, it's a point to be made. He moved to Ferrari just to have the yellow built into the... No. <laughs> he didn't want to take the time no. to design his custom clothes anymore. He just wants the stock stuff. Before we get into wild speculation also, I want to throw out one more thing. Okay. The word is legacy. What says more than a driver winning at Ferrari? It would be his one championship at Ferrari will overshadow a lot at what he did at Mercedes. Six years of championships it won't, at Mercedes. It, it, won't, it won't erase him as being no. you know, the best Mercedes driver of all time. No. It won't erase him as being a Mercedes driver. But people will be like, he won a championship with Ferrari. In F1. That's the yeah. biggest thing you can do in motorsports almost. I mean, essentially. And especially right now, if he brings them back. They've been so close the past like four seasons they got up to number two then they fell to three and now it's like there's so many teams in contention right now for the top three or four i i i don't know where ferrari's gonna do in 2024 no i have idea. no idea no clue. they could be i'm not gonna say they're gonna be number one they could be number two or they could be number five i have no idea yeah because you've got red bull you've got mercedes you've got ferrari you've got mclaren you've got aston, aston. martin and alpine just got a bunch of money and Alpine just got a bunch of investors. I'm not saying they're going to be in the fight, but it's going to be, they're going to steal points from somebody. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know where this goes, but let's get into some wild speculation. On. One more little side funny oh. note. We're not, this isn't a full topic, but it's okay. just a little side funny thing I just thought of. Michael Schumacher went to Ferrari. Then he moves from Ferrari to Mercedes. 
Lewis Hamilton is going from Mercedes to Ferrari. They're both seven-time world champions. <laughs> just funny. It's the only way it could work. Well, it's funny because he did all of his winning at Ferrari, then moves to Mercedes. And Lewis Hamilton did all of his winning at Mercedes was, and now moving to Ferrari. Okay, Schumacher moved to Mercedes their first year as a team? Yes. Yes. So it is... Yes. It was like the first or second year. He partnered with Nico Rosberg. So does this mean that this will be Ferrari's last year as a team? No. But I'll tell you what's <laughs> also funny is they both won before they got to their teams they did their most winning at. He won at Benetton. Lewis won at McLaren. Yeah. So very funny how those two lined up like that. That's another thing. Lewis. Oh, top teams? Yeah. Okay. Let's get into wild speculation. <laughs> Let's start... Let's start with um, Lewis's seat at Mercedes. No, because this needs to be said. Last thing before we go to sip, uh, speculation. Wins one at McLaren. Wins six at Mercedes. Possibility to win one at Ferrari. All the top teams minus Red Bull. Yeah. That's insane. All right, let's go. That's a sweep. <laughs> let's look at Lewis's seat uh, at, at Mercedes. There are a few contenders. Again, you mentioned early on in the episode that Lando's locked up, Oscar's locked up, Max is locked up, yeah. whatever. So your contenders for the Mercedes seat now become, I think top contenders would be Alex Albon. 100%. Liam Lawson could be in the mix as the young up-and-comer if they were going to go that route. I think the more viable move there would be Lawson to Williams and then Albon to Mercedes. Possibly. But, I, but yes, yeah, it's possible. He's, he's, he if showed there, himself. If, if there's someone to steal for your driving program, it would be Lawson. Absolutely. Um, Sergio Perez. There's, I mean, there's no reason why not. And, of course, Carlos Sainz. <laughs> right, who still needs a seat for 25. So there's there's four or five legit contenders. We could talk about Pierre, but I don't think they will. One person that we didn't talk about before we started filming. Juan Manuel Fangio. Nope. Oh. Fernando Alonso's contract is up in 2024. No, he's not. No. His contract's up no. in 2024. Mercedes isn't signing Alonso. Dude. Dude, there's no way. Dude. I'm rolling it out. Sorry. <laughs> Vetoed. I think it's possible. No, so let's look at this. I think we would we both agree that Albon is probably the number one contender. I think that's the, the go. Because he's currently at the Williams seat, the same seat that George Russell moved up into, right? Um but I do think a straight trade for Carlos Sainz would probably be the best move. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Sergio's out there, but I would put Carlos ahead of Sergio. Sergio's out there, but he's he's like out there. Yeah. Not, not in, I mean, the in fact his, that Christian Horner's been so wanting to move from him for so long and he just keeps keeping him on doesn't mean Toto wants to now go get Horner's leftovers. Right. But Carlos in a Mercedes would be vicious. Here's what I think happens. This is my perspective. I mean, this is my prediction. I say, with Lewis moving to Ferrari, Carlos moves to Red Bull, Sergio's out of the mix, Albon moves up to Mercedes. That's my prediction. And that's probably where it's going to go. And I was going to say we could go into where does Carlos go, but I think the most natural landing point for Carlos is either Mercedes or Red Bull. He's we, still a t- he's He's an elite driver right now. You have to remember, before Carlos did all of these things at McLaren, did all these things at Ferrari... I want to say he was on a different team, too. I think Renault. I could be wrong on that. He was at Renault, yeah. He was. Okay, so then before Renault, he was partnered with Max Verstappen. Toro Rosso. At Toro Rosso, which is Bull the Red, Red Bull B team. <laughs> <laughs> so we could have a rejoining of Carlos to the Red Bull family. Kind of like 
how Danny Ricardo came back to the Red Bull family. I would be more excited. Okay, I think I think Mercedes going after him makes sense. From an F1 fan perspective, I would be more excited to watch Max and Carlos be a team. That would be sick. Than to watch but George and Carlos be a team. Because you have to think about this. Ferrari is stacked at the drivers. Stacked. Yeah. Charles Leclerc and Lewis Hamilton. That's nasty. How does Red Bull compete with that? They can't have one dominant guy and a support guy. No. You go and get Carlos Sainz, who is the lead driver at McLaren and fighting for the lead spot at Ferrari. That would be a nasty lineup. And I, I do agree. I I can't disagree with your prediction. So to recap your prediction, it's Lewis goes to Ferrari. Carlos goes to Red Bull. Sergio is on some backmarker team or retired. Yeah. And then Alex Albon goes to uh, Mercedes. Mercedes. Yes. And then somebody fills his spot at Williams, which that would not be Sergio going Williams. to Williams. Yeah, probably. I mean, unless they have somebody else in the F2 or 3 series that we don't know about or some kind of reserve driver situation. Yeah. Poor chair still out there. <laughs> Drugovic. The guys we've been talking about for four years now that are <laughs> just waiting for their turn. <laughs> making their way up through the series. <laughs> Yet here comes Logan Sargent out of nowhere getting the chance of a lifetime. Oh, man. And for some reason he gets re-signed yeah. when there's so many up-and-comers. Yeah, no, especially after people like Liam Lawson prove themselves and – that's, that's tough. This is going to be, just to wrap up, this is going to be a crazy weird year because most of the driver moves, uh, uh, an extension will happen about this time of year. An extension will. But a driver move usually happens mid-season. And then you only have to deal with like six or seven races of awkwardness, right? Yeah. We get a full, a full what, 23-race season knowing Lewis is gone at the end of the year. Oh, that is so the craziest thing about the no other sport that i know of and, and let us know if there's other sports that do this no other sport that i know of has these contracts set so far in advance that you've got to go a whole season with a team you're saying goodbye to that's that's uncomfortable it really is what's your incentive <laughs> like what do you have to prove anymore oh uh, and also you're not going to be in the mix when they're talking about the next car no you're, you're removed from that they're not going to say a word to you about any of that. Last thing I'll bring up, and then we'll go to our, our call-outs. How does, how does Fred Vasseur feel if Carlos comes out and wins like eight races in 2024? If he just shows up, Charles Leclerc, nasty. Like him and Verstappen are going one-two the whole season. Jeez. And Charles is, you know, fifth or something every single race. And Lewis is doing a bunch of nothing at Mercedes. Oh, and then, of course, you have the happy ending at Mercedes where Lewis Hamilton runs off into the distance winning his eighth championship with them. And they're glorified in motorsport lore because he's now the most winningest driver ever. And he did it all at Mercedes minus one year at McLaren. And then he runs to Ferrari. So there's a couple different endings we could see there. There's one candidate we didn't talk about. Give me the Scandinavian Valtteri Botas to come back to Mercedes. We laugh, but I would like to see that. He was dominant at Williams. Yeah. A heck of a driver with Lewis Hamilton at Mercedes. Anytime Lewis didn't win, he won. Pretty much. And he could win any race if Lewis wasn't out there. Yes. And we haven't seen that, of course, at Alfa Romeo or Stake or Kick or whatever they're called now. Uh, but 
that's that's the that's the sleeper pick is Valtteri Bottas. That would be the safe pick if you're Mercedes because Toto's got a friendship with him. Toto even said whenever they departed that Valtteri was everything he wanted in a Mercedes driver. I would, I, would, I could see Valtteri coming back. I would like that. No, nah, it's it's man, it's gonna be Albon. Yeah, I I personally feel like it's gonna be Alex. And you know what? Good for him if it is because yes, he was put into that Red Bull car way too early because Pierre was a disaster. Um, he had a season and a half in that car. Uh, yes, 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 yes. And it just wasn't his time because Mac. They were trying to build Max up, and they were focusing way too much on Max. Went and did a season in the Dutch Tourenwagen. Yeah, then came back, you know, cutting time at Williams, and has proved himself. Honestly, showed up that Williams car in every single race. He's got to fix the crashing thing, but outside of that, I mean. He's fighting in the pack. That's just going to happen. You know, Red Bull, they're all fighting at the front. <laughs> so, All right, guys. Let us know what your thoughts are on Lewis Hamilton and who will be taking his spot at Mercedes. Guys, if you think Fernando Alonso is the guy to replace Lewis Hamilton at Mercedes, I want to see it because we would have Lewis at Ferrari, Fernando at uh, Mercedes, and Max at Red Bull. The three guys that we've been talking about are probably the most alike as each other. That would be a battle of the ages. Goodness. All right, guys. We'll see you. Bye, guys.